Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. It's Westminster Wednesday, so we're breaking from our study of 1 Peter to look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. And going through that each week, paragraph by paragraph, we've made it up to chapter 2, paragraph 3. The second chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith is of God and of the Holy Trinity. And in this third paragraph, that's what the authors of the Westminster Confession turn their attention to, the doctrine of the Trinity. Let me pray for us that God may give us wisdom by His Spirit. And then I'll read this section of the confession and we'll talk through it together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for faithful men that have gone before us and organized the teaching of your word into documents like the Westminster Confession. We pray that you would strengthen us as we look even at this, knowing that it's not your word, but that we might better understand you and how you are. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 2, paragraph 3, says this, In the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Well, if you've studied the doctrine of the Trinity at all, you know that it is a very technical doctrine, one that even the greatest theologians of our day and of days gone by have struggled with, uh, not necessarily in believing it, though some have struggled with that as well, but struggled with how to communicate what the Bible presents about God in a way that faithfully summarizes what Scripture teaches, but also clearly communicates what Scripture teaches about who God is. I remember when I was in seminary, Ligon Duncan talking about this, and he said that when it comes to the Trinity, he, he told us that he was always looking for new ways to talk about the Trinity. Not, not in the sense that, that, he didn't, that, that, that he needed something new to say, but he wanted to always make sure that, that he had the, the, the clearest grasp and, and the best way to explain it. And he said what he wanted to be able to do was to explain it to children in a way that they could understand it as much as any of us can understand it. Right, So when we get into things like one in substance and when we get into things like being begotten versus proceeding and, and we get into some of the technical theology of, of the Trinity, it's easy to lose not just children but even the greatest thinkers that we have in our churches. And so Dr. Duncan wisely encouraged us to, to always be thinking about how you're going to approach this doctrine because it's fundamental to our faith. And so we need to be able to express it in the clearest ways that we possibly can. And so I've kind of done the same thing, undoubtedly not even close to the, the level that Dr. Duncan has and, and, and not giving it near the thought he has. But one of my favorite expressions of the doctrine of the Trinity comes from a children's catechism published by Great Commission Publication called First Catechism, Teaching Children Bible Truths. Question six says, 
is there more than one true God? And it answers, no, there is only one true God. In how many persons does this one God exist? In three persons. Question eight, name these three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love that presentation of the Trinity because of how simple it is. Is there more we could say? Of course there is. But those three straightforward, simple questions get at what the confession is getting at. There's one God, and he exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the doctrine of the Trinity, that there is one God who exists in three persons. We see this all over Scripture. Uh, Chad Van Dixorn, in his commentary on the Confession of Faith, offers three great statements. He talks about from 1 Corinthians 8, 6, where Paul refers to God the Father. In John 1, 1, the Word, who is Christ, is clearly said to be God. And in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4, with the whole situation with Ananias and Sapphira, they are said to have lied to the Spirit, and that's clarified as they've lied to God. We also have the record of Jesus' baptism where the Father speaks and says, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased, and the Spirit descends on him as a dove. We have these Trinitarian pictures throughout the Bible that remind us that we can affirm Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And we can affirm these places in Scripture that present the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All equally God, all eternally God, all equally worthy of worship as God. And so that's the doctrine of the Trinity. The confession in this last section goes into what theologians call the properties of the Godhead. The Father is of none, either begotten or proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son. Theologians will talk about the properties of the Godhead, and that's what they mean, that, that there's a way that these three are thought of in relation to each other. Now, theologians will also talk about something called the economic trinity, where they're trying to get at the roles that each one plays. And, and in what is probably an oversimplified statement, but still at some level helpful, we'll talk about God as the one who decrees, the, the, the Son as the one who accomplishes, and the Spirit as the one who applies. Now, when we use that language, we're typically talking specifically in relation to redemption. That the Father has decreed redemption, the Son has accomplished redemption, the Spirit applies redemption. Now, of course, we have to be quick to say that the Father didn't decree it apart from the Son, the Son didn't accomplish it apart from the Spirit, and the Father and the Spirit doesn't apply anything apart from the Son and the Father. And, and, and we get that. But it helps us understand and, and make sense of certain passages. It helps us make sense of what Jesus means when he says that he is going away and he is sending his Spirit to continue to help us and to continue to, to call to mind what it is that Christ has taught and done. So what is the, the practicality of all of this? What is the, the devotional value of all of this? Well, th th there's a couple of things. 
the first and, and, and kind of the most important point is simply that we need to know who our God is. And though we struggle to put these words and these ideas into to, to concise and helpful words, it's good for us to be able to think fully about who our God is. J.I. Packer in his little book, Concise Theology, which is an incredible little book. If you want something, it's just a reference for theological understanding. I highly recommend that. He says this, The practical importance of the doctrine of the Trinity is that it requires us to pay equal attention and give equal honor to all three persons in the unity of their gracious ministry to us. See, we don't just worship Jesus because he died on the cross to pay for our sins and rose from the dead in victory over sin and death. We do worship him, but we also worship the Father who has decreed all things. We also worship the Spirit who applies the finished work of Christ to us. We worship all of them as fully God. He goes on to say, all non-Trinitarian formulations of the Christian message are, by biblical standards, inadequate and indeed fundamentally false and will naturally tend to pull Christian lives out of shape. Indeed, we don't even have to go a full non-Trinitarian direction. If we just start emphasizing one person of the Trinity and, and that person's work and ministry over the others, we'll begin to see Christian lives pulled in various directions, pulled, as J.I. Packer said, out of shape. We need to know who our God is in full and worship him in full and walk with him in full. Might we learn to do that, to call on our Father with the help of the Spirit in the name of Christ. Amen.